Welcome to the 186th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I am still your host who's still a little bit under the weather, Patrick Winograd. In this edition, our topics are a brief overview of my weekend predictions, our weekly look at the NFL and at the New Year's Six Bowls and the college football playoff, and our weekly looks at the NBA and college basketball. So let's jump right in with a look back at my weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website. In the NFL, I went 2-1. and one. Uh, In the NBA, I went 4-0. and oh. And in college basketball, I went 2-2. Two and two. And when you combine that with a 12-8 record in the bowl games that happened this week, uh, that brought me to a 617-407 and 407 overall record. Uh, a 60.3 winning percentage. I forgot to mention that was 20-11 and 11 on the week was the weekly record. Uh, but a good week for me and my predictions, and I'll go back over these individually more right now. Uh, the Patriots beat the Dolphins 23-21, to no two in that game for the Dolphins. I predicted that one correctly. The Seahawks beat the Jets 23-6. to I did not pick that correctly. Uh, the Packers beat the Vikings 41-17. to Kind of an upset, not really, uh, but I picked that one right. And then we all know that the Bills and the Bengals uh, had that unfortunate situation with DeMar Hamlin, and that game was postponed, and I will be leaving it as a uh, game that doesn't count towards my record because... I actually had one team picked on Instagram, one team picked on my website anyway, so was already a little bit confused, and uh, because of those circumstances, we will just leave that one, even if they are going to play that game. We'll see if they even play it. I don't know if they will. Um, frankly, I don't think they should at this point, but we'll see what the NFL does with that. Um, but then, in the NBA, the Pelicans beat the 76ers 127-116. to 116. I got that game right. Uh, the Kings beat the Jazz 126-125. to 125. A last-second three by Kevin Herter uh, propelled the Kings to the win. That game I got right as well. The Warriors beat the Trailblazers 118-112. to 112. Got that one right as well. And then the Nuggets beat the Celtics 123-111. to 111. I got that one right as well. Uh, the Warriors and the Kings games both had some crazy crowd eruptions in uh, Northern California for both of those teams. Very passionate fan bases up there. Uh, but... Yeah, good games all around, and uh, I'm happy to get a 4-0 week in the NBA. feels kind of rare for me, but you know what? I will take it. Uh, then in college basketball, I went 2-2. Two and two. Wasn't really able to watch any of these games I predicted, so I don't really have too much information on them. Uh, I know that TCU beat Texas Tech. Um, I know that West Virginia lost to Kansas State, and I had picked that one correctly. Um, but other than that, uh, Baylor lost to Iowa State. I got that one wrong. And then the only other game was that uh, UConn lost to Xavier for their first loss of the year. I got that one wrong as well. I was considering picking Xavier there, but UConn gets upset on the road as uh, I think the Big East, maybe preseason number two team, I think Xavier was, um, is able to get that upset over UConn. So that will be all for my weekend predictions. Uh, we will again go over them next week, and they will be posted on our website on Thursday. Now we will move on and talk about the college football playoff and the New Year's Six games. Um, and I'm going to kind of do this very, very quickly. Uh, as you can tell, I am still under the weather, and I'm not trying to make this podcast too long uh, to not strain my voice. I hope to be better for next week. I should. Um, feeling better, but, you know, the voice is still not there yet. Uh, TCU beat Michigan 51-45. to Georgia beat Ohio State 42-41. Both of the Big Ten teams here 
uh, for different reasons. Probably should have won these games, but didn't. Michigan, just a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, calling some trick plays in situations where you think they would just kind of ground and pound their way through TCU. Um, even going for it at all on the two-yard line on the first drive was not something that you'd expect from Michigan. And then the two pick sixes that J.J. McCarthy threw uh, were kind of the nail in the coffin for Michigan in terms of Michigan shooting themselves in the foot. And then when it comes to Ohio State, they had a lead going into the fourth quarter, and uh, Georgia had to outscore them 18-3 to in the fourth to win just by one. Uh, so Ohio State entering the fourth quarter with a 38-24 to lead to Georgia coming back, winning 42-41. to uh, And obviously, the other reason why Ohio State should have won this game is because they had a game-winning field goal uh, attempt, but they weren't able to knock it in. Noah Ruggles missed very, very wide left. And uh, Ohio State, as a result, will not be going to the championship game. We have TCU and Georgia. I have Georgia winning that game. Uh, I'll go with 41-30 to 30 as a score for now. I might change that when I actually post it later. We will see. But something around that range, I think, is the end score of that game. But Georgia is definitely in line to repeat as champions. I just don't think TCU can slow them down. Their, their defense still didn't do great in this game against Michigan. Uh, outside of the pick sixes, they're good at forcing turnovers, but if you can avoid those, it's pretty easy to move down, move the ball down the field on this team, uh, as Michigan displayed with still putting up 45 points despite all those turnovers and turnovers in the goal line and overturned touchdowns, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then in the other bowl games, you had Alabama, who beat Kansas State 45-20. to Kansas State was up 10 to nothing in this game. Uh, and then Alabama just came storming back, uh, held Kansas State to three points over the next two and a half quarters, uh, while Alabama was able to get to 42 points and be up 42-13 to 13 by the end of the third quarter. So Alabama with a dominant win to end their season with uh, none of their players opting out. Not really a fair matchup for Kansas State, to be quite honest. Um, but look, if you win your conference championship... You're going to play good teams at a bowl game, and that's what happened to Kansas State. They just weren't up to the challenge, and Alabama was able to walk over them easily. Then you had the battle of the backup quarterbacks between number six Tennessee and number seven Clemson. Tennessee getting that win, thirty-one to fourteen. Clemson fans were clamoring all season long for Cade Klubnik to play instead of DJ Uyagalale. I was in that same boat, but after seeing Cade Klubnik play, um, after having a whole month of preparation, actually. Maybe he was playing well in those games as a backup because he gave such a different look than DJ did, and they changed their offense, but th that game plan did not work so well for Clemson, just horrible in the red zone. Uh, they got one touchdown in this whole game. There was a point where they had an opportunity to score on five different drives, and if you count the two or three missed field goals, I think it was, one field goal that they had made and then a fake field goal, Tennessee was up 14-3 after only scoring on two drives. Uh, when Clemson should have been up at least 15-14 to 14 if they had just made all five field goals, um, and e even if they hadn't gotten into the end zone at all. Uh, but Tennessee did a nice job in this game, uh, just, you know, playing their game and relying on Joe Milton, the backup, to replace Hennon Hooker. However, obviously, this is not the same situation as Cade Klubnik and DJU, which is that uh, Tennessee fans obviously know that Hendon Hooker is the better quarterback, but... He's injured, so Joe Milton had to step in. He played well in the Vanderbilt game. He played well in this game. And overall, Tennessee caps off a pretty good season that they can build off of going into next year. And then, finally, you had my favorite game of the bowl season, uh, the game that nobody picked correctly but me, 
Number 16, Tulane upset number 10, USC, 46 to 45. I will admit that the reasons that I had Tulane winning this game were not the reasons that they won this game. I thought their defense could get a few stops um, and hold USC to some field goals and even get off the field a few times, but they did not do that. Pretty much USC only didn't convert when they turned the ball over and missed a field goal. Um, and I also thought that Caleb Williams would be a little bit hobbled after that hamstring injury, but he really did not seem bothered at all, um, at least not from what I could tell watching the game. Uh, but you know what? In the end, Tulane pulls out the win just like I expected them to. Uh, that pick looked bad for most of the game, and then USC just kind of choked it at the end, giving up that safety and then that touchdown right after it. Uh, but overall, Tulane, a great season going from 2-10 and to 12-2. and they deserve a lot of credit, regardless of how bad USC might or might not have choked this game. Uh, Tulane still deserves credit. And uh, yeah, good for Tulane for capping off a good season with another good win. Finally, we have the Rose Bowl. Number 11, Penn State beat number 8, Utah, 35-21. to uh, Penn State caps off a season where they only lost two playoff teams. They probably were one of the better teams that didn't make the playoffs, I would argue, right up there with Alabama and Tennessee. Um, they should be in that conversation. I would even think it'd be an interesting game between them and TCU, honestly. I, it would be it would be an interesting game. I don't know if they would win it or not, but uh, it, it would be a good game. Uh, but look, Penn State caps off a good season. Yes, Cam Rising got injured in this game, um, and that really kind of let Penn State make this game not very close in the end because it was 14-14 when Rising got injured. And then after his injury, Utah only able to get one fourth quarter touchdown after Penn State had already taken uh, a 35-14 to 14 lead, I believe. So, yeah, this game wasn't exactly um, as close as we thought it would be. It was really close through the first half, 14-14 to 14 by halftime, but then in the third and the fourth after Rising's injury, Penn State started to pull away. And uh, that is all I will talk about for bowl season. I know I left out, what, there were 20 games. I only talked about six of them. Yeah, I left out 14 games, but I don't think they were quite as relevant when you have the playoff uh, going on in the meantime. So I am not going to talk about them at all, and I will instead move on to the NFL. I will start with the best games of Week 17. Uh, I will go kind of in backwards order. The Steelers beat the Ravens on Sunday Night Football 16-13. They kept not only their playoff hopes alive, but also Mike Tomlin's streak of non-losing seasons to open a career, which is an NFL record already, I think at 15 or 16 seasons at this point. Um, and they still have a chance to end with a winning record and let him keep that streak going in a different year with the old playoff format. This would be, they already would have secured it. They would have gone 8-8, eight and eight, and that would have been the end of that discussion. Uh, but now, with that 17th game, you actually cannot finish with an even record unless you have a tie, like the Washington Commanders do. Uh, but the Steelers able to get a comeback win over the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens. Uh, Lamar is definitely going to make some money off of the fact that the Ravens really cannot win a game without him. Uh, they really have only been able to beat the Falcons pretty much, and that's not saying much. So the Steelers, with a good win, keeping their playoff hopes alive. The Ravens already clinched, uh, but their defense continues to play well. They just let up a little bit too much in the fourth quarter. But I still think that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson can make some noise in the playoffs. I don't know how far they can go, though, with the big three that does exist with the Bills, uh, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. Uh, but then moving on, the 49ers beat the Raiders 37-34 to in overtime. The Raiders were technically, or the Raiders were eliminated, actually, from playoff contention last week, I believe. 
Uh, it's either them or the Browns who were somehow alive, but I forget, to be quite honest. But uh, the Raiders kept this game close with Jarrett Stidham starting at quarterback. No more Derek Carr this season, it appears. Uh, but in the end, even after some heroics from Devontae Adams and many others, the 49ers still able to come away with the victory and keep alive their hopes to getting the number one seed in the NFC. Then you have the Buccaneers, who beat the Panthers 30-24, to putting up 20 points in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady had an excellent game uh, in this one. Uh, this game actually eliminated every team in the NFC South from playoff contention, as, as the Buccaneers clinched that division, and no one else had a chance other than through actually winning that division because of how bad all the teams in it have been. Uh, but then you have the Patriots. I already said this before. They beat the Dolphins 23-21. to They are now both 8-8 eight and eight on the season. Um, if you want to talk about these playoff scenarios, you're just going to have to run that ESPN playoff predictor thing. I tried to do it. I was going to write it in. But there were just so many different scenarios that can happen and so many different teams that can make the playoffs, especially in the AFC. So I will not be going through those, unlike I, uh, although I did say I would last week, uh, but I'm not going to because there are just too many things that can happen, um, and I don't feel like recapping all of it, but both the Dolphins and the Patriots are 8-8 eight and eight on the season now, uh, and we will see what happens next week with those playoff scenarios. The Patriots have a tough game against the Bills, so we'll see what happens there. The Dolphins, uh, I believe, play the Jets, but we will see with all those teams what might happen. Uh, that would also put the Steelers in the conversation. There's a lot of different things, again, as I already said, that could go down, so you'll just have to stay tuned and look up those scenarios yourself because they are way too confusing for me to try to explain. Um, and there are too many scenarios for me to run through that would take up way too much time. Then you have the Chiefs who beat the Broncos 27-24. to uh, It actually took a fourth quarter comeback from the Chiefs. The Broncos taking a 17-13 to lead into the fourth quarter, but the Chiefs getting 14 points in the fourth to stave off the Broncos and stay with their win streak over Denver. Uh, but the Chiefs, again, trending towards that number one seed, trying to claim it over the Bills and the Bengals. We will see what happens with that, especially after that postponement. Obviously, I am not of the belief that that game needs to be played, but it will be interesting to see what the NFL does if those teams have played less games than the Chiefs, how the seeding shakes out, um, and what they decide to do about it because of that game. We will see. Uh, but for now, the Chiefs look like they have a pretty solid path to the one seed. It's definitely in the realm of possibility. And we will see if they're able to claim it next week. And then finally, you had the Falcons, who beat the Cardinals 20-19. to Both teams with different starting quarterbacks. The Cardinals with David Blau starting, and the Falcons with Desmond Ritter. Uh, haven't talked about Desmond Ritter yet, even though he has been starting for a few weeks now. I haven't really been too impressed with him, but I also haven't really been... Too disappointed in him. He just kind of looks like a rookie quarterback who definitely has some potential, but definitely needs to work through a few things before he can really be a quality starter. Um, so the Falcons, looking like they have somewhat of a bright future. Drake London and Kyle Pitts as the young weapons beside Desmond Ritter will help them out. And Tyler Algier as well, um, a really good young player. So as long as the Falcons can keep things together on the defensive end and maybe even get better on the defensive end and then continue to upgrade their own line and and be able to just have a better rhythm next year, then maybe they could be a playoff contender once Tom Brady might be retired and that division looks kind of wide open at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the Falcons, but that will be all for the best games of the week. Now we will move on to the most impressive teams. Uh, I will start with the Lions, who beat the Bears 41-10. to 
a great game by the Lions. They are trying to stay in playoff contention, trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. Uh, they now have to go on the road and beat the Packers at Lambeau, and then they also need the Seahawks to lose um, to the Rams, which we'll see if the, either of those two things happen. I would say the Lions probably have the worst chance to make the playoffs out of all three teams. Um, but then you have the Giants who beat the Colts 38-10. to That clinched a playoff spot for the Giants. They are locked into the sixth seed uh, because of their record and because of the fact that the Cowboys have such a great record as the best wildcard team. Uh, and then the seven seed is just too far behind because even if the Giants lose, they'll be 9-7-1. The seven seed will be 9-8 and eight, no matter who it is out of the Lions, the Packers, and the Seahawks. Finally, you have the Jaguars and the Texans. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Texans 31-3. The Jaguars just continue to look impressive and more impressive every single week. After the Texans beat the Titans on the road, the Jaguars go on the road at Houston and just absolutely dismantle Houston. Don't even need to play Trevor Lawrence in the second half pretty much at all. Um, they Their coach kind of joked about the fact that if they had a 28-3 lead, he might take Trevor out, and then they actually did have a 28-3 lead, and he did take Trevor out. Um, so look... The Jaguars just playing really good football right now, and they look like they are primed to take that division from the Titans uh, after what looked very, very improbable after the first few weeks of the season. Uh, but then you have the Packers who beat the Vikings 41-17. The Packers, again, staying in playoff contention. They are now in a win-and-you're-in scenario. As long as they beat the Lions next week, they will be in the playoffs. Uh, and then you have the Seahawks who beat the Jets 23-6. The Seahawks, if they beat the Jet, if they beat the Rams, sorry, next week, will need a Lions win over the Packers, and that would put them in the playoffs. After it really looked like they could have gotten in pretty easily a long time ago. The last few weeks, things have kind of unraveled for the Seahawks, and uh, this win definitely putting them back on track a little bit. But they might still come up a little bit short. I certainly believe that the Packers are going to be able to put this one away with their win over the Lions that they'll get next weekend, but we still have to wait and see. Uh, but that will be all for the NFL this week. Again, check out those playoff scenarios on your own. They're pretty crazy. Uh, run some playoff predictors online with a computer, whatever you need to do to figure out what the information that you want. Uh, but for now, we will move on to the NBA. For my most impressive team of the week, it will be the Brooklyn Nets again. They went 4-0 this week. They are now 25-12 and on the season and have won 12 games in a row, skyrocketing them to the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And even crazier, they are 16-1 and in their last 17 games, with the only loss coming against the number one seeded Boston Celtics, uh, who have the best record in the league right now. So the Nets just not really out of nowhere. I mean, we know the talent that they have, but after some, you know, questionable seasons and some underperformances and uh, whatever you want to call it, underachieving, whatever you want to call it, they have bounced back, and they are looking very, very good this year with that new-look lineup with Ben Simmons. And even having just Joe Harris back has been a massive uh, addition for them. But then you have the Dallas Mavericks, who I pointed out a few weeks ago were kind of slumping, but now Luka is leading this team. Uh, they are now 22-16 and 16 on the season after a 4-0 week. They had wins over Houston, San Antonio, Houston again, and the Knicks last week. They are sitting in the number four seed overall in the Western Conference standings. After I said already they had been struggling for a little bit, but now they're looking good on the season. So good for the Mavericks. They are going to continue to trend up, I will believe. Um, we'll just have to see if that's true or not, but I, I certainly think that they have a strong core and Luka Doncic and Christian Wood and all those guys are going to keep figuring things out because they haven't even played with each other that much before. And once they keep playing with each other, I think that 
Uh, they'll get better over the course of the season, and the Mavericks will be a really strong contender come playoff time again, as normal. Uh, and then finally, we have the Pacers, who went 4-1 and this week. They beat Toronto, the Clippers, Cleveland, and Atlanta. They lost to the Pelicans. They are now 21-17 and on the season, an exciting young team that is currently just above the cutoff for the play, and they are currently in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. But a good season so far for the Pacers. We will see if they're able to continue that momentum forward and if they're able to make the playoffs in an Eastern Conference that's kind of up and down. You don't really know who's going to show up every week at this point, but the Pacers definitely one of those teams, uh, a young team that is very, very, very exciting. And then now let's move on to the most disappointing teams of the week, starting with the Utah Jazz. They went 0-4. They lost to Miami, Sacramento, Golden State, and the Spurs. The Jazz are now under 500 after a strong start to the season. Now that teams have started to kind of round into midseason form, I believe the Jazz are now experiencing some tough sledding in the West as teams are now taking them really, really seriously. Maybe they were overlooking them earlier in the year, uh, but they're also not good enough to beat those teams when they are taking them seriously, to be quite honest. So the Jazz are just kind of falling behind as a result of that. Uh, then the second team that I had here were the Atlanta Hawks. They went 0-4 this week. They lost a double overtime game to Golden State last night. Uh, they lost to the Lakers, they lost to Brooklyn, and they lost to Indy. Look, yeah, they played some tough teams other than the Lakers, but the Hawks continue to tumble down the Eastern Conference standings despite a roster that had higher expectations uh, when compared to their previous season's expectations. So I, I really do believe that this roster should be winning more than it is. Um, then you have the Suns, who are one in th- who went 1-3 and three this week. They lost to the Knicks, the Raptors, and the Wizards, and they beat Memphis. Uh, they are dealing with some injuries, but they are not doing well at all while trying to deal with them. They are 1-6 in their last seven, bringing them to just 20-18 and 18 on the season, really trending down in the West. We will see uh, if they are avoiding the play-in or not, if they can kind of deal with those injury issues and get back to the form that they've been in for the last few seasons. Uh, but without further ado, let's talk about the NBA Player of the Week. It's actually not going to be Donovan Mitchell, who scored 71 points while I was writing this podcast. Uh, because he had two games where he only scored 15 earlier in the week and wasn't very efficient, so I left him out of the spot. However, I would like to mention that was only the seventh 70-point game in NBA history and the highest-scoring total of the season, highest since Kobe as well with 81, as he led his team to an overtime victory against the Bulls, also had 11 assists to go with that. Uh, So a really good performance by Donovan Mitchell. But Luka Doncic also did something that was amazing this week, and it was actually NBA history. He had the NBA's first-ever 60-20-10 game While I was recording last week's podcast, in the end, while leading the Mavericks to a 4-0 week, he averaged 46.3 points, 12.8 rebounds, and 10 assists, uh, as well as two steals per game last week. So look, Luka definitely deserves this one. Uh, Just played great basketball again, and this is what he's been doing for a while now. He just is one of the best players in the league, and we just have to accept that now. Uh, And with that, I will move on now to college basketball. I will start with some close games. First of all, number seven, Tennessee beat Ole Miss 63 to 59. Number two, UConn beat Villanova 74 to 66. Villanova, after having a bad start to the season, has kind of started to turn things around again with Cam Whitmore. This is the first time any opponent was within single digits of UConn uh, this season, although we'll talk about what happened to them later in the week. Then number 20, Auburn beat Florida 61 to 58. Uh, A close game there, Florida looking like If they can get some quality wins, they will be able to make the tournament. But if they keep losing games like this, they probably won't be able to make it because there aren't uh, maybe enough quality wins up and down the SEC that if you can't beat some of the teams at the top, I really don't think you can make the tournament. Uh, But we'll see. Florida definitely 
has the talent to do so, and this game is proof of that. Uh, and then number 22, Xavier beat St. John's 84-79. A uh, good win for Xavier as St. John's continues to kind of tumble down after maybe a weak non-conference schedule, now playing in the Big East, kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, then you have number 11, UCLA, who beat Washington State 67-66. to That was a close game that shouldn't have been close, but UCLA nonetheless able to come out with a victory. Number 17, TCU beat Texas Tech 67-61. TCU fans don't care, though, because they were watching their football game. Then you have number 3, Houston, who beat UCF 71-65. UCF, a team that charts well in terms of metrics, uh, but just doesn't have any big wins so far this year. Maybe some wins in the AAC for them and a strong, a big winning streak might be able to put them into the tournament, but for now, on the outside looking in. Uh, Then you have number 4, Kansas who beat Oklahoma State 69-67. Oklahoma State, a similar story to UCF. Uh, chart well with metrics, but haven't gotten the big wins yet. We'll see if they can do that in the Big 12. They definitely have a lot of opportunities, though, uh, unlike UCF, who doesn't really have that many opportunities in their conference. Then you have number six, Texas, who beat Oklahoma 70-69. to Oklahoma kind of reminds me of Florida a little bit, a team that can kind of hang with the tough teams, the big teams, but we need to see if they can get some quality wins to really put themselves in a strong position for the NCAA tournament. Then you have number 22, New Mexico, who stayed unbeaten by beating Wyoming 76-75. Wyoming, a team with strong preseason expectations in my preseason bracket, but now just 5-9 and nine on the season. Uh, even, even still, though, they were only, I think, a one- or two-point underdog in this game, so they must have had some close losses and just kind of gotten things that didn't go their way. Uh, maybe some injuries as well, don't really know. Then you have Kansas State, who beat number 24 West Virginia, 82-76 to in overtime. I predicted this game. Uh, Kansas State with a good win over a ranked team. And uh, we'll see if Kansas State is ranked this week. I haven't checked the polls yet, and uh, if they'll continue to stay ranked if they are. But now let's move on to the upsets. Uh, num- Missouri beat number 19 Kentucky, 89-75. to A good win for Missouri uh, over a Kentucky team that's not really playing well recently. Then you have LSU, who beat number 9 Arkansas, 60-57. to uh, Arkansas, a good team on the year, but LSU only has one loss. They're definitely ranked now, and we will see what they do in the rest of the season. Then you have Pitt, who beat number 25 North Carolina, 76-74. Both these teams very, very inconsistent on the season, uh, but North Carolina definitely considered to be more inconsistent considering their preseason expectations being the number one team in the country. Then you have number 22, Xavier, who, as I talked about, beat number two, UConn. Uh, gave them their first loss of the year, 83-73. Uh, then Iowa State beat number 12 Baylor, 77-62, a strong win at home for Iowa State. Uh, and then Rutgers beat number one Purdue, 65-64, on the road at Mackey, the second year in a row. Rutgers knocks off number one Purdue, but last year that was a Rutgers home game, which is one of the toughest places to play in the country, not just in the Big Ten, probably is the toughest to play in the Big Ten. And Mackey, if it's not, if Rutgers is the top, then Mackey is second. Um, and look, Rutgers pulling off that win is just crazy. Again, the second year in a row that they've beaten the number one team in the country, and it's been Purdue, and it's also the first two number one wins in their team's history. Then, in the other important games, number eight, Alabama, beat number 21, Mississippi State, 78-67. to uh, That wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, January 10th. It will probably be a little bit longer, as I will hopefully feel better. 
where we will recap my weekend predictions again, have a weekly look at the NBA and college basketball action, and talk about the national championship game and week 18 of NFL action. In the meantime, be sure to check out my additional content, including my predictions for every college football bowl game, uh, his my NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be updated tomorrow, and my picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.